welcome back to another episode of the Kansas Briefing. Today we have a special episode for you folks. We have Representative Barb Wassinger from Hayes, Kansas. We also have with us uh, an individual by the name of Riley Gaines. Uh, you folks may have heard about her story in recent years uh, as it pertains to the fairness in women's sports legislation that we are currently debating here in the state capital of Kansas. But uh, she is from the East Coast area, I guess. Well, would it be Midwest? Well, anyways, it could be Midwest, could be East Coast. Depends on how you look at it. South, North, North of Mason-Dixon line. Anyways, <laughs> that region of Kentucky uh, or Tennessee. So t- Kentucky. Kentucky, Tennessee area. So there we go. That that, that would have been easier just to say to begin with. But um, anyway, so we have, like I said, Representative Barb Wassinger with us and uh, Riley Gaines. So thank you guys both so much for joining us. Of course. Thank you. And we like to call that the Southeast we're part of the the big SEC, and that's something we're proud of. So, well, it's a good thing the majority leader's not here because uh, <laughs> he would he would be uh, cheering like a little schoolgirl because he uh, he graduated from Florida. Yeah, that's what he told me this morning. So, yep, yep. So, not not surprised. So, I, he's a Gators fan, if I recall correctly. Uh, but anyways, so um, well, thank you guys again so much for coming here today. So, w- what I want to do is get a little bit of your background, and then we'll kind of uh, work into. Um, the overall itch issue itself and why it's an issue and just your experience, your personal experience with this issue because a lot of people are saying, oh, well, that that doesn't happen or that's not really the case or this isn't going to impact you know very many athletes or so on and so forth. And so what I would like for you to do is just kind of unpack that for our listeners. But let's get into your background a little bit. Where are you from and just how you ultimately ended up getting to the point that you that you got to a few years ago. Yes. So I'm actually from Nashville, Tennessee, um, born and raised. I started swimming at the age of four years old. Um, so this is really my swimming career was a lifelong journey. Um, it's impossible to put into words the amount of sacrifices and really just the time and the effort that it takes to be successful at, at an elite level. Um, but I ultimately ended up choosing to go to college at the university of Kentucky which, again, at the, in the Southeast, we call that UK. Now, I understand you guys have KU, so don't know if that fuels any rivalry, especially in basketball, but maybe swimming isn't an issue. Um, so I went to UK, and I'll start by saying my college experience was nothing of normal. Um, first, my sophomore year, um, we were gearing up to leave for our national championships in March, and COVID hit. So we were robbed of one NCAA championships in that way. And so we were all sent home, which in swimming, you never get time off. You never get time to go home. You're there. You're at school, summer, Christmas break, Thanksgiving break, all the time. And so when we got sent home, it was kind of like, what are we supposed to do? And all pools were closed. And so I got in a wetsuit every day and I swam in Old Hickory Lake in Tennessee. um, And that's how I continued improving. And so when we finally came back to school, I was in a pretty good spot, Um, and going into my senior year, I made it my goal to win a national title, which was something I was very capable of, and so halfway through my senior year, which again, this was last year, um, so about November of 2021, um, I was on pace to do so. I was ranked third in the country behind one amazing female athlete that I was very familiar with, Um, but the person leading the nation in multiple events by multiple seconds Um, I had never heard of before. And of course, this was the first time that I became aware of a swimmer named Leah Thomas. But at the time, I had no idea that Leah Thomas was a biological male because it never, maybe I was just being naive, but it never occurred to me that this could truly happen at this level. Um, And so 
a couple days after Leah posted these nation-leading times and events all the way from a sprint, 100 freestyle, to the mile, um, which that in and of itself is rare to have your best sprinter be your best miler in the country. Um, That's unheard of. But a few days after these times were posted, the NCAA um, released an article stating that Leah Thomas was formerly Will Thomas and swam three years on the men's side at UPenn. And so when I heard this, I was, of course, shocked, but truthfully, I felt relieved because then we were able to look up what Will Thomas was doing as a male, and we saw that at best, this summer was ranked 462nd in the men's category, um, which now, again, is leading the nation in multiple events in the women's category. And so we thought, surely the NCAA will see this for what it is, um, see what's placed right in front of them, the sheer statistics of it, and not allow this person to compete with us. Um, but that's not what we saw. Um, about three weeks before our, our um, national championships, the NCAA said that Thomas would be, in fact, competing with us. Um, and so we sat on the pool deck that first day and watched Thomas win a national title in the 500 freestyle, becoming the fastest female in the country, beating out Olympians and American record holders and just the most impressive female athletes of all time. Um, again, by seconds, which in swimming, a sport that's measured down to the hundredth of a second, that's a lot. Um, but that next day, Thomas and I competed against each other in the 200 freestyle to which ended in a tie, um, almost impossibly enough because that's pretty rare to do. Um, and so we go behind the awards podium where the NCAA official hands out the trophies and you get paraded out onto your little podium. Um, and the official says, great job, y'all tied, um, the Thomas, or the trophy goes to Thomas, Leah. And so I look at him and I say, okay, I understand there's only one trophy, but why are you adamant on giving this trophy to Thomas? What's, what's the rationale here? And he said, well, for photo purposes, Thomas has to have the trophy. We can eventually mail you yours, but you'll go home empty handed because Thomas have to, has to have it for pictures. And so immediately... I knew what was happening was wrong, what occurred um, in regards to our competition being us being at a disadvantage as females and what was happening within the locker room where we were being forced to undress in front of a 6'4 male with male parts exposing himself while watching us undress. I knew those that was wrong. But when me and my teammates were reduced to a photo op to validate the identity of a man, that's when I realized someone has to say something because up until this point, everyone was silent. These girls, I mean, we talked amongst ourselves and I can tell you how 95% of people on that pool deck felt. And it's the exact same way as I'm speaking, but they were terrified of speaking out. Um, and we can get into that a little bit later of what kind of the silencing piece looks like, but that's kind of when I took it upon myself that someone has to stand up to this insanity. We are so glad that you're standing up well, to the insanity. Thank you. And um, I have people all the time tell me how brave and courageous it is, which I understand because it, we do live in this cancel culture where people will try to feed you these lies and have you believe these lies, um, especially when it's uh, something as basic as there's two sexes, um, that it has become, in a sense, courageous. But it blows my mind that we've gotten to a point where it is brave to say that women exactly. exist and we deserve equal opportunities in sports. So, but thank you. And I am so appreciative of you um, for working relentlessly for the past three years or three cycles to get legislation that protects athletes like myself 
um, from biological males. And so I can't express to you how needed that is, um, especially in the state of Kansas. So I'm so grateful to you. Well, you've done a lot. You were supposed to go to dental school. <laughs> yes. And you with, stopped doing that, deferred it so that you could do this job of helping stand up for women in sports. Right. Um, that was my plan. I thought I would graduate. I got my degree in human health sciences and health law, and I was set to go to dental school. Um, but I realized that it would be a disservice if I kind of abandoned continuing to advocate for women because there are so few women still almost a year after the Leah Thomas incident who are willing to put their name and their face to this issue because again, they're so terrified. Um, and so this isn't something I wanted the NCAA to be able to just sweep under the rug because that's what they're trying to do. That's what they're still actively trying to do. Um, but there needs to be accountability. And so I have kind of deferred my life plans. And so I'm supposed to go to dental school this year. Um, but again, I have, there's been lots of prayers. There's been lots of consoling with my family and my support system as to what my future kind of looks right. like in a sense of who will continue advocating for this if I go a different route. And at this rate, I don't know the answer to that. So... Well, I'm interested in hearing more about how the the silencing of women in sports and how, why are they so why are they so afraid and what kind of repercussions have you gotten? Absolutely, being out loud. Yes. So initially, when all of this came to light, um, I I've always been someone who. Not necessarily runs my mouth, but I'm always going to speak my opinion. <laughs> um, I was a team captain for two years. I've always been a leader. I was raised amazingly by my parents. And so I've always stood firm. And so when this issue kind of came to light back in November of 2021, my teammates and I talked amongst ourselves freely. And I have an amazing relationship with my coach. And so we talked about this, um, which I'm fortunate for because after hearing from Leah Thomas's teammates what they had to go through. I mean, it is so heartbreaking. These girls every week had to go to LGBTQ education um, meetings. They were told from their administration that their school has already made their stance for them. They were told that if they speak out, they will never get into grad school. They will never get a job. They will lose their wow. friends. Um, when the girls, Leah Thomas's teammates, were concerned about the locker room piece, and they sent an email to their administration, which I actually have a screenshot of this email. It is so wild to me that this was sent. Their administration emailed them back and said, if you feel uncomfortable seeing male genitalia in your locker room, here's some counseling resources that you should seek. And then again, of course, they were referred to the campus LGBTQ education center to educate themselves on how oppressed these athletes are. So these girls, and this isn't specific to just UPenn, I mean, the horror stories from the Ivy League, from girls across the country, I mean, they were emotionally blackmailed into thinking that they were wrong for feeling uncomfortable having a male watch them undress. And they were wrong for not wanting to be at an inherent disadvantage immediately in their sport. Um, there's no amount of training that can hinder that 10 to 12% performance gap that men have compared to women. Um, you could work day in, day out, which we, we did, um, and it make no difference when you're competing against someone who's 6'4". Men have a, um, of course, they have larger lungs, larger heart, larger frames, all the things. Um, 
silly enough, men have a 40% larger throat, which it makes a huge difference in swimming when you're trying to oxygenate your blood. Um, So all of these little things, even with hormone suppression, these things don't go away. Um, And so, but when they felt uncomfortable or when they felt like they were being wronged, their school told them, well, um, just be quiet and be kind, be inclusive. But in reality, this is not inclusive. In reality, it's discriminating against these young women. Absolutely. And then the emotional blackmail is pretty scary. Absolutely. So not only has this become an issue, of course, within women's sports, but it's become an issue of your freedom of speech, which is a problem. We've gotten to a point in our society where there is no open dialogue anymore. There's no listening to each other, hearing each other out, and coming to some sort of understanding of each other's perceptions. It is, if you don't believe me, or if you don't believe what I believe, you're a bigot. You're a transphobic. And in reality, the approach that I'm taking is this is not anti-trans. Do what you want in your free time. Leah is older than 18, and quite frankly, I have no animosity towards Leah um, as a person. Um, But when you start to infringe upon me and do things, um, especially in a sense of the locker room scene, without my consent, without our consent, that's a problem. But we've gotten to the point where no one wants to hear that. It's just you're transphobic. Well, that's their biggest argument is that we're trying to kill transgendered children because they're so uncomfortable. And then we are discriminating against the right. transgender women who want to compete in sports. Right. But they have other options. Absolutely. And that's a common misconception that I've seen. So I believe there's about 18 states that have passed a fairness and women's sports bill with lots in the process, including Kansas. Um, and a common misconception that I hear is that, well, you're banning trans athletes from competing. That is not what's happening. Um, We're banning them from competing unfairly, absolutely, which is something that should be happening. But no one is saying that trans athletes can't compete. Sports has given me truly so much um, that translate far beyond just athletics. Um, I was able to be the SEC Scholar Athlete of the Year, SEC Community Service Leader of the Year. Um, It's given me the leadership to be able to feel comfortable taking the personal attacks and continue standing firm. And these are qualities that I think every person, regardless of your age, your identity, your race, everyone should be able to have the opportunities that I had. But when we're allowing men in our sports, we're taking away those opportunities for a large group of people, the majority of of people. So what I kind of hear you saying is we're not discriminating against those who want to be transgender. We're discriminating against women in actuality. Absolutely. Um, I think it's important. This is not anti-trans. It's pro-woman. We're fighting for our daughters. We're fighting for our siblings. We're fighting for so much more than just ourselves. Um, What about the past female athletes who fought relentlessly for Title IX, which, not to mention, this was only 50 years ago, which it sounds like a long time, but... You, I'm sure, know even tons of people who didn't get the opportunity to play collegiate sports. And I would be one of them. Right. And so we've come so far in a short amount of time in the grand scheme of things. And the left likes to look at this as it's progressive. We're progressing. But we, this is not progressive. Actually, it's quite the contrary. This is regressive. It feels like we're time traveling 50 years in time to where women didn't have equal opportunities. Right. Back to where women could only play field hockey right. 
Right. Cheerleading. Cheerleading. All the girly sports. But we've evolved from that. We realize that women can express themselves in different sports, even something like wrestling. That would have never been considered a woman's sport. But now it is. But now when we... We have Title IX to thank. Yes. And it's an amazing, amazing thing because... Again, it's given people opportunities. I believe there was an Ernst & Young study that said 94% of C-level um, associates, so like a CEO, CFO, something of that nature, were female athletes, were collegiate athletes. Um, so that's it just proves that these opportunities in sports allows you to continue to go on being successful far beyond just sports, and we're, we're limiting that. Have you spoken to a lot of women who have told you that they have stepped back because of that? Absolutely. I have parents um, from all over reach out to me that say, I had to take my 12-year-old out of volleyball because there's a male on the team and I'm worried for her safety. And so I'm fortunate that in swimming, we didn't have to worry about our safety necessarily because it's not a physical contact sport. But there are so many sports that are, and this is a super important piece of it. When you have a male going against a woman, regardless of which age, um, but especially after going through puberty, competing against each other in a physical contact sport like soccer or softball or volleyball or any of these things where you could potentially get hit by someone else or directly from the force of something that this person might hit at you, it's dangerous. And we're seeing cases of this. Um, Look up the the fighter Fallon Fox who cracked a, a woman's skull. Look up um, the volleyball player from North Carolina who is still having vision problems from being slammed in the face with a volleyball from a male. Um, It's happening. People are just, including the media, are are choosing to ignore it and kind of, again, push it under the rug so we don't see um, the severity of allowing men to compete in women's sports. What What are some of the things we can do to help you in this battle? I think first and foremost, it's so important to be educated on this topic. And I I hate saying that because it truly makes me sound like an activist, (laughs) which I don't necessarily consider myself, but we have to be informed of stories like this happening. And so there's a couple different like Twitter pages and Instagrams and stuff that I encourage people to follow because they always post breaking stories. Um, Just yesterday, they posted a cyclist, Kate Weatherly, won a competition and stole $1,100 an $1,100 check from the rightful first place female athlete. Um, And so it's things like this that are happening all the time and they post about it. And so one of the pages is called icons. It's a new organization um, formed by a couple all American athletes. One of them had a daughter who competed against Leah Thomas all last year, Um, but it stands for international council on women's sports. And they do a fantastic job covering this. Um, Of course, you can follow Independent Women's Forum. They always post um, ways to stay involved, newsletters and things like that, which I think is super important. Um, So first and foremost, kind of staying up to date on this happening and not believing the narrative that this is a non-issue because that could not be more true. Um, I have so many parents. I actually had someone yesterday who said, hey, can you watch this live stream of my daughter? She's a D3 diver and she's competing against a male tonight at her conference championships. So... To believe it's a non-issue is is um, wild. It's happening all the time. People just aren't being vocal about it, again, because they're scared. Um, they don't want to appear to be discriminating against absolutely. the transgender right. community when, in right. fact, Standing for not. truth doesn't make you transphobic. Um, two, 
so important to get involved on the legislative side as much as possible. Something I have seen over the past couple weeks and being involved in different states passing some sort of Fairness Women's Sports Bill is that the opposition always has so much support. Um, I think the ACLU and all of these different organizations constantly plug, hey, go here and testify um, against this bill. They're discriminating against you. Um, but the people in support, which is truly the majority, I mean, 95% of the people know that men and women are different and that women should have protected spaces. They're not as involved, um, but we need a voice. We need people to con- or contact their, um, their district's representative and make sure they're fighting for this because it's important. Um, and three, I think there's ways to give, um, I've created a federal pack. It's called nine pack which my intention is to help endorse any candidate or representative who's willing to advocate for female sports. And again, this is across anywhere on the political spectrum. We've only seen this go <laughs> one side of this really fight for us, but I'm willing to advocate for anyone who That's will wonderful. fight for us. So um, those are some different ways to help stay involved and um, help kind of just keep this topic circulating because it is important. That's great. Okay, tell us a little bit about Nine Pack. How do you spell it? And how yes. do we find it and get more information that you obviously are trying to disseminate? Yes. yes. So it's N I N E, so nine and then P A C for Political Action Committee. Um, you can go to www.ninepack.org and you can go to the website. There's different ways there to get involved. Um, we're also in the process of creating a C4 called Protecting America's Daughters. Okay. Um, I believe it's right on the brink of being fully completed. And so that will be another way we've already selected a board and all of the things. And so um, it's progressing, which is something I'm proud of. Um, Of course, my initial goal in speaking out was not to advance myself because, again, my passion was dentistry at the time. That's what I wanted to do. And so I've never been continuing to advocate to advance myself. It's always been to make a change, um, to make a change to where this doesn't have to happen to um, future female athletes or the present female athletes. No girl should have to compare themselves to a man or give up their scholarship or give up their title or give up their consent in a, in a changing space. And so um, we are continuing to advocate for change. And that's why I'm so grateful for you um, and people who are willing to acknowledge what's at risk and how the women's category is really at jeopardy. Well, you've done an excellent job. Um, what other things can you tell us of how dealing with competing against a biological man has affected you? Yeah. I mean, even speaking for more than just myself, um, one of Leah Thomas's teammates, um, again, terrified to use her name publicly, so I won't say her name, but she told me when she was in high school, she was violently raped, which I can't even imagine having to go through that in and of itself. And so when Leah came out and transitioned and said, I'm a woman and was then forced into their locker room area, this girl was, I mean, it's so triggering for her. Mm -hmm. This is something that's so traumatic and something that she was still actively dealing with. And so when she went to her coaches and said, Hey, I like this causes me major anxiety to be in an environment where a naked male is watching me undress. Is there something we can do? Um, And her coach said, no, 
I'm sorry. Um, there's nothing we can do. Um, and so I'm fortunate that it hasn't necessarily affected me in the same way that it can very easily affect other people. Um, to live through that trauma, I just can't even imagine. She told me still to this day she has nightmares. And this is a year removed. Um, She's probably not an isolated incident. No. No, it's not at all. I've talked to multiple female athletes, multiple swimmers who have similar stories. And it's just heartbreaking to know that no one was willing to stand up for us. Um, We were simply there to validate the feelings and one's own perception of themselves, a man. And again, it just felt like we were... I was in a, like, we're in a twilight zone. And this translates far beyond sports. Look at what's happening in prisons. Um, There's been instances in New Jersey. There's been instances in Ohio. To my knowledge, there's been an instance in Kansas where you have a male who I believe was indicted with kidnapping. And I believe there's some rape charges who has now identified as a woman and is in a woman's prison. This is a problem. It's not, again, it's not just sports. We are trying to eradicate women as a whole and women's rights as a whole. Um, Look at what's happening within the education system. There's so many different pieces of this and you can ultimately see the bigger agenda here. There's ulterior motives. When we're, when our government and when one side of our political party has the power to change our language to take words like motherhood, to take words like woman, to take words like menstruation and period and all of these things and and breastfeeding. Oh my gosh, now they're calling them chest feeders. All of these different things to to change our language. It is like we are erasing women. And note, this isn't happening to men. We don't try to, sorry if this is explicit, but we're not trying to change the term erection for something different to accommodate everyone. The only people we're taking from is women. And that is what people need to open their eyes to. Same thing in sports. We're not talking about trans men playing in men's sport because they're no threat and because that's not happening as frequently because these people won't be as competitive. Um, And so it's super crucial to just see, to step back and see this for what it is. And what it is, is is a systemic erasure of women as a whole. Truly. Yes. (laughs) We are so grateful that you're standing at that, at that forefront of helping us and coming here to help us with our bills that we have on the House and the Senate. And we're very proud of you and we thank wow. you. So we can go to your website and get help. Absolutely. Um, I appreciate you guys. Um, if people need to reach out, you can find me on Instagram at Riley G. Barker or Twitter at Riley underscore Gaines underscore. Um, any parents, any concerned athlete, any medical professional, anyone who on either side of this issue who would like to converse and really discuss this or voice their own concerns, I am, of course, always willing to listen. Well, thank you both so much for your time today. I think, you know, we had a great conversation here today. Real quick, what what is your website? It is www.ninepack.org. Okay, fantastic. Well, I hope we have listeners reach out to you and uh, offer their support to you. But thank you so much for your time and your perspective on this, because I think that it is uh, 
truly a perspective that we don't hear much of. Right. I mean, the media is not covering you right. <laughs> and blasting your message out there to the same extent that it is uh, those on the on the opposition. Um, and so thank you again for standing up and doing what you're doing because, you know, I got, a, I got a two-year-old daughter at home. I don't know what sports now she might play in the future. Yeah. yeah, but it's, it's and you know, we got another one on the way. Don't know, it could be another daughter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, don't, we don't know yet, but um, it's just you, what you're doing and, and while you said this movement isn't about you, it, it also needs a leader. Right. And, and you, I, I see you as one of those valuable leaders that is leading this movement for future generations like my daughter Absolutely. and others. So well, thank you so much. Well, I appreciate that thank so you. much. And that's exactly why I'm doing it. It's for people like your daughter, your potential soon to be another daughter. Um, that is exactly why I'm continuing full force with this. So thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you so very much. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, this concludes this episode of the Kansas Briefing. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.